0: to the Gorilla Pastors Podcast. I'm your host Josiah. You join us on our part two episode of Provenient Subversion, featuring our second of three traditional Sunday morning church pastors. Our guest for this episode is Pastor David Rhodes of the Puyallup Church of the Nazarene. He has been serving in the Pacific Northwest for over two decades and has spent over 50 years in ministry as a lead pastor. Part of our hope for this podcast is to curate these conversations with pastors who have seen all that ministry has to offer within the church. As discussed in previous episodes, we wanted to know if we posed some sort of threat to the traditional Sunday morning gathering or if our ideas had merit. So instead of operating off of assumptions, we chose to reach out and invite these pastors to have a charitable discussion with us about what subversive ministry is all about. In today's episode, we will get part two of one of these conversations. Join us.
1: What I noticed was that Christians could not have conversation with each other if they disagreed with
2: one another. It's all about entering in to the textured presence of lived lives. And so the, the sanitation of it just broke for me. Like, church can't be sanitized.
0: I always feel like I'm not
2: what people think of when they think of a pastor. I went to school for youth ministry and have now figured out how to do, like, construction work. It's good good
1: stuff. The church is struggling and declining in ways that we've never experienced in the United States and Canada right now. We have to, like, allow ourselves to embrace new ways of being in a place.
0: Insurgent revolutions, i.e. guerrilla warfare,
2: is 20% bullets and 80% blessing the people
0: how do we be eternally faithful like literally like how do we be faithful in a way today that in 20 years people aren't going he was evil
1: why are we so afraid we believe that god is at work in all places in all people at all times that is amazing and that should give us hope
0: We are the Gorilla Pastors, join us as we explore a world of ministry founded on subversive presence. In part one of our interview with Pastor David Rhodes, we got on the subject of provenient grace, which for those who may be unfamiliar is simply grace that goes before. This theological term is simply used to describe the character of God. In essence, it depicts a benevolent creator that loves their creation so much that creation itself can't help but be drawn towards its creator. This grace that goes before seems to speak so much to what subversive ministry is all about that I couldn't help but play around with the term in the titling of this episode. It also speaks to the subject matter in the heart of the pastor being interviewed. Pastor Dave clearly appreciates what we are trying to accomplish, what we are describing with this subversive presence. Despite being a pastor of a larger church, he genuinely cares about people in a way that is often rare in positions like his. It can be easy to focus on the influence and prestige and sometimes power that comes with such an office. And in part two, we have that conversation. We also continue the dialogue of what it means to be a church focused on people instead of numbers. So join us as we pick up where we left off with part one. Pastor David and I are sitting down having a frank conversation about the state of the church today. Because there's a whole conversation here that could dive into the economic structures of ministry, right? Because the only way you can fund ministry with our current level of imagination is through tithing. And is that really sustainable? Right? There's so many things that my co-hosts are doing to sort of create a different uh, economic imagination for ministry that fascinate me to no end. But those conversations are sort of happening outside of the institution because they are not the traditional avenues towards funding ministry to paying for the life of a pastor so does that mean that we have to have much more of a bivocational uh pastoral force where you have to fund yourself and you see what you do as, like you said the monday morning discipleship um and and is that done with without institutional blood these are the conversations these are the questions that That you start to have because one of the, and and I talked with Pastor Craig about this, one of the shortcomings I see personally, this is Josiah's opinion, right? I'm not going to speak for other people. Uh, We have a pitfall, at least in this country, where to be a pastor, you have to be assigned to an address. And that address generally has to be a church facility. And does that limit the work of ministry and the kingdom imagination that a pastor can have, if that is how our institution works. Because you can go rogue, I guess. You can come up with creative solutions to that. But I guess I would be curious, your thoughts, is that limiting to the work that we could be doing because of an institutional... And I don't think it's malicious by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it was intended for that. But there are certain pitfalls that I think we're starting to address in light of maybe a post-COVID, post crazy last six years sort of a what is happening with the evangelicalism sort of a conversation um, but that the guerrilla ministry subversive presence thing it sort of contradicts the current model for how pastors can even be assigned so
2: what, what are your thoughts on that yeah uh, no it's uh, i mean all those are really valid concerns yes i do think it limits uh, the advancement of the kingdom If it is, if we really do believe that one size fits all, Um, can is there room for both? And yeah,
1: I think so. But you, we need to say that. Yeah. Um, The the institution of the church. If if this if our
2: primary goal, if my primary primary goal begins to be
1: that this institution represented with this building um has to um be preserved at all costs then um and it does cost yeah it does there's a financial cost so
2: but if i i think the the key thing is that we have to we have to make sure that we um are institutionally viable at all costs Which then, you start including more than financial costs, you start talking about, uh, like, who's valuable to us? Are they valuable to us because they can contribute? Or are they valuable
1: to us because they're valuable to God? And I think there's, I mean, in my ministry, there have been any number of times where I have had to absolutely
2: Check all that at the door and say no. I am just not going to go that way. So you call this a successful growing church or whatever, a big church, whatever. But like, we're not near as big as it was when I came. I'm, there were so many people that were mad because they gave a lot of money and I didn't cater to them. But I didn't try not. I didn't. I didn't try not to cater to them. I just didn't. I just didn't see that. I just was really. I don't know. I was really interested in just every very common person that came to this place. And so it became so interesting, kind of the fallout of all of that over the years. And uh, um, so whatever it is, you know, we get, we get, you know, if you're in a place of privilege, which we are, and, and you get used to it, then you're going to pretty much um, resist anything that sort of raises questions about that. And I think one of the things I'm seeing is that we just, we just have to acknowledge that we are in places of privilege, and that we need to say it, we need to call it what it is, and then we need to ask God seriously, well, what what do we have to give up, you know? Because or be willing to because our like our fundamental tenet, like in our doctrine, is the death to self. Right, you die to that that self insisting on its own way. In, order, in favor of joining with Jesus uh, in his life. And, uh, you know, a great great verse, which has actually become, it's a powerful verse in my own life. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And I, as soon as I see it, I, I hear the Lord sometimes say, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> we should do mm. more work on that. <laughs> sometimes all that God ever says to me is, hmm, interesting, you know? <laughs> so anyway, uh, but... But that's that's huge. But if we say it for the individual, then why can't we not also say it for the institution? Like, we have to be willing to say,
1: not I, but Christ. Not us, but Christ. Not this, but that. Um, and to try to make it preserve at all costs.
2: I think it should be preserved for a lot of reasons in a lot of ways, but not at all costs. And um no. And so we need we need these conversations. I would say, too, yeah, senior pastor, church, all that should be, yeah, I, I believe there's a place for it, obviously, uh, and it should, should remain. But I don't think it should, re- be, it should remain as defined. I think these things often need to be absolutely redefined as, as we move along, as we gain a better understanding of how we're present to the world. There's always concern that that means changing theology, but really
0: it sounds like that's just a
2: question of praxis, right? It's a, it's a question of praxis. I mean, if you get them confused, then you almost are in what you guys said in one podcast. You're almost you're in this mode of, of understanding that you possess truth. And, and, and really, I think, really truth possesses... When you think of truth as a person... Of Jesus, it's more like not I not I possess him, but but I'm 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 yielded. I'm letting
1: him, you know, be that prime influencer in my life over everything. Well, I think the if you it
0: it gets to sort of this what is the institutional thrust uh, conversation of truth because if it is like a possession of truth, then I think it goes back to sort of a prideful I like to be right. Um, or I like to at least call the shots. Uh, so I wonder if you wouldn't entertain me. I, I I was so intrigued to interview you because I I would name some of what you've done that I've learned about and researched because trying to, you know, understand mm-hmm. who I'm interviewing a little bit. Not in like a, you know, creepy Facebook stalker. <laughs> <that way. laughs> right, right. But uh, just doing my homework. You've had a subversive thread in your relationship with the institution um, for for a while now, I don't know if you currently are, but you have had had time on the DAB for some period of time, right? The right. District Advisory Board. Right. How long have you How long have you done that?
2: Oh man, uh, long time. I was, uh, you know, I'm finished now with that and handing it over to some younger. Okay. Uh, but I just uh, this is my first year off uh, after being on it for almost like 20 years. Wow. We're here. And then that was on it on the another district before before moving over here for a while. Yeah. So You also
0: had a decision to make about kind of a big institutional offering for you as well, from what I understand. And I'm not sure when it happened and I don't know the story of it, but I, I was told that you were elected DS? Correct. You were elected DS of this district of WAPAC. Right and i don't know the time frame so please correct me if i'm wrong you at least slept on it or prayed about it there was a period of time before you responded and the
2: answer was no correct so yeah. can you tell me about that experience wow that was uh that was that was really um yeah it was it was in 2010 it's right before uh kind of a year later our current ds came um but i was uh yeah in this building in this sanctuary here we hosted district assembly and uh there's the election as it happens i'd been familiar with it many years and and then uh you know my name was uh safe second and then um the guy above me was not present and he called in and said that he withdrew his name and so And then, like the next ballot, I was like suddenly there and elected, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, everybody—it was reaffirming in so many ways. Everybody stood up and applauded, and it was just like a—it was um, really interesting moment. It felt surreal. I kind of felt myself out of body, kind of watching it happen, kind of looking at all this, and uh, um, and then you have to. you know you give your aunt, you give a reply right then and so i said well my reply is thank you and i'm going to pray and think about this and so later the dab met with me and we talked and then um you know i i talked about you know could this be done differently like could i pastor this church and do it and just kind of use other people and trying to get this uh get this accomplished and uh called around called a a ds who was in new york uh, who had tried that and most everybody said it couldn't be done and uh, but he had tried it and i had a conversation with him some and then yeah so i prayed over that and then at the end of the day about a week later i just decided that i wasn't released from this place. And so I I just thanked everybody and said I declined. So that was, yeah. And I felt so good about the decision.
0: It it stirs up in me thoughts of, you know, desires for power and influence and how perceivably you, you turned down what could have been a selfish motivation, mm-hmm. um, which kudos, I find that to be... Mm-hmm something that i I would respect you for if that's part of the you know you chose not to to have that temptation fulfilled then kudos to you and at the same time I find it super intriguing because from what I can tell I think you're actually good friends with our ds and so there's not this threatening power right. dynamic thing
2: going on no. with him either and and the good thing about him uh we have really good honest conversations and we don't agree on everything but we we really talk and we and we agree on on some things but um, I've really appreciated him a great
1: deal. No, I I like um, I think I I was learning to you know institutionally I was I've been in an institution
2: uh, of the church. See, you know, I've been kind of part of that, but I I knew that um, you know your your fulfillment couldn't come from that. So if I was looking to fill a hole in my soul about significance or or whatever that I knew this 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 is not about that you, you couldn't look to that way, um, and so i and there's a lot in my in my history that of my experience my heart experiences that that taught me that i couldn't look to that, uh, but I just really felt like and this church uh, had been a really difficult church to pastor hmm. uh, this was not an easy ride this, this has been uh, in fact uh, it was a hard ride for the first 12 years absolutely almost brutal um with uh not not without its really good people but the ride itself was really hard and um on many levels so you know, I think saying no was, uh, not, either, it was not, it was saying no to that position, certainly, but it wasn't saying yes to an easier position or whatever. Cause it was, he was being willing to stay in a place that was really hard. And, uh, I was trying to think of the, book I think Henry Nowen has a, a book in Jesus. I think the title of this one is in Jesus name. And and he talks about the temptations of Jesus. I may, I may have the titles wrong, but he talks about, and I can't remember the third one, but the two of them are the temptation to, uh, for power and the other is the temptation to be relevant. And, uh, and then there was a third. But I, I just, there are temptations every place in, in pastoring, but there's temptations every place in life. <laughs> so it's the matter of, of just like dealing with the issues of my own,
1: pride and trying to stay in that place of glad surrender to what jesus is calling us to right come with me Mm -hmm. so it was the right decision it
2: resulted in about a year of hell around here (laughs) and uh that's a whole another story but were people upset with you for not taking it there were a group of people that i still do not know their names i think you probably are no longer with us that were upset that i didn't take it uh, because... were they hoping
0: they would have a man that they could call or like was there some sort of person no they, i
2: think they were hoping that they would get someone that would help this church really grow and i wasn't producing. Oh, I see.
0: so you weren't the church growth hero that they were hoping you were going to be or something like that very definitely. Oh, I got it. That's unfortunate.
2: I'm sorry, <laughs> but it was part of the experience and, and it was, um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it, it's a a journey that you, you have to learn the complete adequacy of Jesus in your life. And, um, and that's not like cliche yeah, <laughs> that's no. like this is your breath you know yeah. and your significance and then and then but after that 2012 even though um, there were there were just things settled we just weathered somehow my wife and I stood you know in the in our ensuite one night and looked at each other and said we don't know if we're going to survive here right yeah, yeah absolutely but man, then to see what got what God has done and what he's birthing with the schools and all that I talked about yeah. all that was after that, and it's just been like a a tsunami of some really rather amazing things, yeah, the power of letting go, right, and just yeah, yeah, it's called uh yeah, letting go by death, yeah right? <laughs> letting go by death yeah there's there's something that I think is i hope is powerful about
0: these conversations in this podcast is that it helps with discernment um, of of listeners. We have a lot of pastors, especially younger pastors that, that listen. and, And I don't know if it's just lack of education, lack of awareness. They didn't read the manual, they personality. I don't know what it is, but it's almost as if they just need permission to really try to fully find their specific giftings and embody it as a pastor. And sometimes there is not that, pre-baked mold for them to fit into um and that's part of what i mean me and my co-hosts we're just willing to say some things right and sometimes it can cost to speak up especially if there's perceptions that it's threatening to whatever it's threatening which we're not intending but we can't control perception regardless of that i would love to to hear what your thoughts are um as we wrap up this conversation on how you hope There could be more opportunities for collaboration, like with with the thought in mind that maybe there's just some pastor, some layperson out there that needs permission to say, oh, wow, God could work in this way. And if I had support from someone like Pastor David, that's all it takes at this point. Like if he says, yeah, do it. And I got your back. Maybe that's all it takes. Um, I I asked Pastor Craig to do something that it was silly. Like, can you tell me what the future of the church looks like? I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you, <laughs> yeah. what do you hope future collaborations might look like between more traditional Sunday morning churches and guerrilla, subver- I'll call it subversive ministries? Because um, I get it. We have some folks that have expressed similar, you know, I don't yeah. love the term guerrilla because, and I get it, um, but it, it just means
2: subversive yeah. too. Yeah. And right. Once you understand it. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense.
0: So, so what sure. do you hope comes of conversations like this, but also potential future ministry collaborative partnerships?
2: um two two times in our discussion you've used the word uh permission when you just now uh all you know just that issue of permission to do something differently and also when you gave the illustration about the doctor gives permission to and i've i've often thought that um some of the really great things that happen around here is just simply because i was a permission giver right you just get permission to do it. Like, not that anybody needs permission to do the will of God, right? That's not that, but it's more like, and I would see permission more like in the line of, well, I want to I bless that. Let's see what's going to happen. And and I mean, to bless that means to say, I I would like to see how that succeeds, right? I'd like to see how that goes. So I think uh, one of the, the things that we could do going forward, and, and I think people that are in, I think it's kind of a mutual permission giving too. Like, you know, like in in the grill pastors give uh, permission to to pastors like me who've been like in in the in this position for a while. Uh, per, they give permission to say, "Hey, we want to we want to learn together, right?" And but we also give the same permission. Like, "Hey, we want to learn together because seriously, this is like." You know, Christianity has not taken America by storm, right? Uh, Christian nationalism is, yeah. But that's a whole another yeah. subject that gets us completely away from what the gospel is. Yep. Uh, but I think that. Um, but I think that, that would be great just to say, we should explore what God is doing. Like, if we believe that the Holy Spirit is at work everywhere, then we have to assume, okay, how's the Holy Spirit at work here? What can we see? What can we discern? Right? Uh, how? What can we learn? You know? How can we prophetically um, encourage and correct like each other? Right? Like one of the things I'm really trying to do is that uh, how do how do we? I love Carl Maderus's book on speaking of Jesus. It's just have you read that? Mm-hmm. You know what that? It's just so good because it's the whole thing in witness is not that you have to like. Most people who count don't feel like they go into state because they feel like they have to defend the whole of what Christianity has done or been. Well, that is like a that that's like a losing proposition right there. Yeah. Unless you're just going to draw thick lines in in and out and all that stuff. But um, if you could learn just simply to speak of the living Jesus and not in a way that if, where you if I don't feel like I have any. Uh, pressured to convert you then i can just tell you what's going on in my life and i man i'm so glad that uh, jesus has given me this hope in the midst of all this pandemic or this peace or uh how he has helped me just let people go who were able to separate over a piece of cloth and and after all that we've been through yeah and so i think but just speaking of because he's absolutely the most beautiful thing that's ever happened in my life, right? So I think just learning how, right, to give permission to speak, we need each other. And we need to recognize where God is stirring up new things in kingdom work.
0: So you hope that these conversations continue, it sounds like. They,
2: they need to continue.
0: That there's potentially a bright future for the church if we do it both and and learn from one another to see how we can have a broader kingdom imagination
2: there is i don't think there's i don't know what's going to happen to the american church there's i think the levels of repentance that need to happen and i think it goes back to jesus original sermon repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand i think um, both what repentance means and understand what the kingdom means, and what all that is. What you, what, whatever it is, we're repenting to, but I think, um, I, I don't know. There's can, I, yeah. I, I don't have a lot of uh, hope outside of a really major, and this word can be totally misunderstood, uh, a major
1: revival of the Jesus of the Gospels among us. I've kind of been defining this a little too long
2: perhaps but but revival uh can happen when there is a robust
1: theology of the goodness of god with radical vulnerability and enduring empathy with prevailing prayer in the power of the spirit and i think all those are really huge in i think what god wants to do I like it. You've been working
0: on that definition for a while, you said?
2: "Just Yeah, just letting... It's been the last year, it's just some pieces. We're coming together. And, you know, it's kind of like Ryan talked about. He talked about, you know, sanitized Church. Well, this, ra- this radical vulnerability does away with that. The enduring empathy does away with the possession of truth. And I begin to realize that just enter into other people's stories. Know that God is already there working. And then uh, I do place. I I do believe that prayer is like huge in that, but the the prayer starts happening in a different way. It's more like prevailing prayer is continue, continually listening to the Holy Spirit, like how the Holy Spirit is moving and and working already, and join that, and then.
0: It's all very cyclical because it comes back to just the power of presence.
2: Just the power of presence. You're present to God. You're present to each other.
0: Yeah. I love it. Well, I thank you very much for the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. Uh, I was hoping to to ask you some fun questions. I, I knew I could learn a thing or two. And I hope that something... It doesn't have to be recorded every time. I hope this could continue because that that's should. my hope is that yeah. these are meaningful conversations that hopefully spur us on to, to actually do that Christ likeness thing that we read about and that we get better at it because we bring a couple different perspectives to the table of exactly what you just said, where is the Holy spirit at work and how can we partner with it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Sounds good. Well, thank you for the time, pastor Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I, I do, I do appreciate the vulnerability from you guys, the openness, the, the risk. And, um, I I would say this one thing to you. Uh, I had a mentor. Well, he wasn't really a mentor. He was a consultant years ago when I was pastoring in Southern California. Came to our church just talking about, you know, group life and different things. But I do like his phrase. He says, you can't always get everybody into the water. But if you get them down to the beach, make sure you have somebody in the water having the time of their life. (laughs) And, And I think that's a great picture. So I think if joy, if joy marks what you're doing yeah. in this, what we're wanting to do and just be in Christ's presence that's outside the, the, the bounds of just a sunny morning, yeah. whatever. But if joy marks that, no matter like how threatening it may feel at times, but when people see the joy and see the hope and hear the story, it's just like, you got to say, man, we we got we to gotta look at this.
0: I appreciate that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be chewing on that for the foreseeable future. It's great. Well,
2: thank you once You're again. Welcome. Thank you, Josiah.
0: If our focus is simply on presence, then it doesn't matter if that happens on a Sunday morning or Monday at a coffee shop. Because that word church does not define a building, but a people who are gathered. And as I reflect back on this conversation I was privileged to have with Pastor Dave I am reminded of this fact because of things that he said, because of how he lives his life, and because of the way he pastors. And while I appreciated his candor and vulnerability and the pastoral reminder that God is at work in all things and at all times, there's something that he said that I would like to end this episode with. And even though I wrote it down, I'm sure I won't get the essence of it the way that he said it. But as we wrapped up our interview, he said that he only has hope in one thing and that's the revival of the Jesus of the Gospels. You may remember in part one he said that we have a gospel but sometimes it seems to be absent of Jesus, which is a problem. And then he went on to unpack what this revival meant and he said for it to be successful, for it to actually be something worth having hope in, it had to have a robust theology of the goodness of God. With that, there must be a radical vulnerability and an enduring empathy and prevailing prayer all within the power of the Holy Spirit. And while he may have joked about working on this definition for far too long, these are the things that I am hoping to learn from pastors who have spent decades serving the church and imagining what the kingdom of heaven on earth looks like and as a self-proclaimed guerrilla pastor it was refreshing that church growth statistics were absent from what he thought was important that it all could be summed up with a focus on presence our presence one to another and our presence with god so once again i would like to thank pastor dave for joining us on this podcast and i would like to thank you our listeners for listening If you'd be so kind, we would appreciate if you could rate, review, and subscribe, so others might discover this podcast as well. Stay tuned for our next episode, where me and my co-hosts respond to this conversation with Pastor David, and then look forward to our third and final Sunday Morning Traditional Pastor Conversation, where we yet again engage one-on-one with a pastor who has been doing Sunday morning-focused ministry in the Pacific Northwest for quite some time. As always, I've been your host, Josiah, and this has been the Gorilla Pastors Podcast.